0: Hey everybody, welcome to The Cast with Sam and Mike. Yeah, we're excited to have you part of this conversation that Sam and I are having. Um, just an open and honest and, and quite raw conversation about things that matter to us and we think might matter to you as well. And we do want to encourage you to join the conversation uh, through comments and questions that you can fill up um, and send to us at risencitychurch.com slash cast. We'd love to have your input and uh, allow you to even influence what we end up talking about because we do uh, really want to engage with where some of you are at. Um, because if it matters to you, it's probably going to matter to us as well.
1: I was in the uh I think Lighthouse bookstore at Frederick Street Mall, um buying that Henry Nowen book, a guy walks into the store and he asks the cashier for the new Dinesh D'Souza documentary. Um, the one that's about I think it's about the deep state or something like that. It's some crazy conspiracy theory documentary from a very right wing perspective. Um, so yeah, if you're not familiar with Dinesh D'Souza, basically he makes his living making these kind of crazy conspiracy theory documentaries. And, uh, the guy asks if it was there and his assumption was that of all the places he could possibly buy documentaries in the city, the Christian bookstore would be the one place that would be most likely to have it because it's a conservative documentary. And I just, I just cringed so hard when I heard that. I was like, why? Why? because the guy was equating Christianity with conservatism. And Mike, you've said yourself in a sermon before, (laughs) do do not be so sinful as to put your party on his name. It's
0: true. I did say that. And I stand by that very much. So,
1: so Mike, why, why are conservatives, uh, always Christians and vice versa? Or so it seems, why
0: are they the same thing? (laughs) It's quite a leading question. You have, it it, it really is. Um, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If Jesus was alive today, um, without a shadow of a doubt, he'd make everybody mad. I'm just saying both sides of the table. Um, he'd be saying, pay your taxes. He'd be saying, take care of the poor. He'd be not, uh, <laughs> bowing down to Caesar. Right. Like I think, um, something that, you know, as we wrestled with a bunch sort of just Sam and I, in our personal relationship. And I think because of you know, how much Christianity gets convoluted um, and and conflated with, you know, politics in America, especially. And I'd say even still here in Canada, um, it's one of those conversations that we can't not have, right? Like, if you believe in Jesus, what does that mean for your political life? Because we do believe there's dominion of Christ in all areas of life. As Christians, we do hold that we want to bring the kingdom of God, not just in our churches, but in our cities. Uh, The issue is, what does that mean? (laughs) How does that come, come, come about? Um, and again, I think i I do think that your faith must has to like it be it would be a um, a lacking of depth if it did not affect your politic and how you engage but our faith should not our our our, our political allegiances should not be equated with a faith that we hold um, Our unity stands more in our theological and um, salvific understanding of jesus versus how we think and theorize society should be run based on these things um i i would hold to a more traditional democratic kind of conservative position i would i would argue um but But I I do shy away from making strong political statements, knowing that I don't have all the answers Mm -hmm. and that my best guesses on politics are best guesses at at best, like like that's just what it is. And so um, I look at the politic of the modern world um, through the lens of kind of an ongoing experiment. Right, like this is yeah. the way humans are organizing currently to think that they will bring about best um, flourishing. And again, in that kind of sort of sociological, political view on it, where it's kind of just this human enterprise that's happening, which I believe is God ordained, and God, like Romans 13, God ordains governments and God sets them up and God gives them power to do some certain things, and the state is important. I'm not, you know, anti state in any way. Um, but I do think that the classic sort of generate a couple generations ago desire for Christendom and political power and influence. Um Yeah, to to try to define certain things um within the political sphere um actually it's not that it's not like beneficial because I think there is benefit to it but I just don't think I think it backfired ultimately because what happens is when you begin to relegate morality and um philosophy I think of education and like to the political realm and you politicize everything you make politics the savior of everything and it's it's, it's it just it's not this is actually an argument made by a guy named James Hunter in a book called to change the world that when we political politicize everything we actually lose ultimate kind of like Power in, in a sense because we're just making the savior the answer. Well, let's just legalize this, or let's legislate this, or and whatever, um, as if that is the final say, right? And what we would argue is that again, legality and morality are different. Yep. 100%. Um, now, t- to speak on the idea of like which political system is better, you know, to me that's that then talks more about your political philosophy and the, the, the ways upon which you want to see certain outcomes happen.
1: I'm going to read an excerpt here from uh, Wounded Healer by Henry Nowen. And he writes a little bit about uh, the idea of a generation without a father. So he writes... But the fearful generations who reject fathers and quite often reject the legitimacy of every person or institution that claims authority is facing a new danger, the danger of becoming captive to themselves. David Riesman says, as adult authority disintegrates, the young are more and more the captives of each other. When adult control disappears, the young's control of each other intensifies. Instead of the father, the peer becomes the standard. Many young people who are completely unimpressed by the demands, expectations, and complaints of the big bosses of the adult world show a scrupulous sensitivity to what their peers feel, think, and say about them. Being considered an outcast or a dropout by adults does not worry them, but being excommunicated by the small circle of friends to which they want to belong could be an unbearable experience. I just want to get your thoughts on that and uh, how true you think that is in today's world where that's mm. probably even more intensified.
0: Yeah, I remember when the first time we talked about it, like, my my first reaction was, like, I can't believe he was writing in the 70s. I mean, that sounds just like now, right? Like, I think that gets back to the idea of, like, we are we are constantly human, right? Like, we don't really outgrow our our woundedness, if that is the right word. Like, when, when, when I hear that, I, I just, it, it just, it just, it's compellingly true. Like, like I think even more so in the age of social media, right? Where we talk about social ostracization or the idea that like, um, the way that we punish people now is through, uh, the group, right? That we, we kick you out, or we persecute you, we, we, you know, we shame you essentially on, on social media or in school, or whatever. Um, and, and how that actually begins to implicate itself in how we view ourselves, how we view, the world around us and he t- says this thing about like being sort of unto the self and I think when we hate when we assume that um the abuses of authority are corrected by the absences of authority yeah right we just end up in really wet weird places mm-hmm. um and I think that's what we need to sort of wrestle with this a little bit like I think the idea of the father well, essentially, I, I would say he's arguing about a father wound, right? A father failure, a father disappointment. Uh, I don't really care about what my dad thinks anymore, so I'll go here. And that he gets expressed that in other ways. This a powerful image, I think, of, of the modern world even still, right? That we do care so much more about what our peers think than even what our parents think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we know that at some level in the socialization of children, right, that does happen, Right, that we, we do move from our family to kind of our social group and but I think that part of the integration, the reintegration is back to that place of I recognize, especially in the Christian world, right, to honor my father and mother, to recognize the authority that God's put in my heart to even if it's a bad father and mother, to still find a way to honor what was meant to be. We've talked about that at at, at Risen and and so yeah, I it just it's it's incredible to me how, you know, prevalent that still is. He probably was thinking about it in a completely different expressed way, but we I think are desperate I would still argue desperate for good fathers. Um in the in the in way of like like the way I, the way I think about it and, and, and people will blame often say to me that I come hard often on men and dads specifically and whatnot. And I think it's because of something like this. Like when I I read that, I actually don't blame the kids, right? I do, I don't blame a generation. Eventually you got to grow up and make your own decisions. You can't blame dad for everything. But I think there is a kind of implication on the level of understanding on how to be a father Mm -hmm. that is so important, right? Like I don't know how many guys I've talked to that as I'm talking to them, the crazy thing about it is they don't use the language of, I want a dad, but... The conversation is, I want a dad, I want a dad, I want a dad, and it's, I want to be, and usually it's along, like, I used to use this language a little bit in the sense of mentoring. I wanted a mentor, I wanted a mentor, and I began to realize what I defined a mentor as was just another kind of dad. Yeah. Right? In in that we don't really, I don't think, we've blurred those lines so much, I think, that we have to be careful because then we sort of, you know, demand too much, make idols of people who could teach us some stuff when we're actually hungry for a father. Yeah um and 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 not to say that you know some there obviously there are amazing dads out there and it's just it's just I still think there's this inherent okay I heard one guy say he was a guy who I can't remember his name but he was on he's one of the podcasts I listened to and he did he had this ministry to men and he'd always begin his sort of like cohort by saying all of you have a dad wound every single one of you and he goes without fail there's always be one guy who says no I don't I'm good me and my dad were tight he goes by the end of the session he'd be weeping crying admitting he's got this issue um, because I think like something that we have devalued in in society is the role of the father like I'm um, we don't need to get into and blah, blah 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 but I still think there's something inherent in that 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 dads are supposed to carry a kind of weight um, that we don't really talk about enough honor enough um and not in a sense of like, make much of, but just recognize, right? Like, like I, the, the, there's been studies that have been done. You know, th- there's a book, Love It or Hate It, uh, called um, Recovering Biblical Manhood and Womanhood um, from a very reformed perspective and whatever. But it, it quoted a lot of statistics on the nature of a father's impact on a child. Um, and actually, even in a book my wife and I were reading called How to, um, How to Raise Emotionally Healthy Children, which was from a completely secular perspective, uh, quoted... Um, studies that that showed that the role of an emotionally healthy and present father and its effect on children, um, what they actually said, to to paraphrase them, was that a mother's effect was way more consistent, but a dad's effect was way more extreme. So um, the presence of a good or bad dad had sort of more of an extreme effect, where obviously the mom who would stay and be consistent had more of a long, kind of just consistent there... Obviously, we would we owe a lot to our mothers, and so I think just we, we recognize as Christians especially the truth of this um, that that dads were given something, and, and when we abdicate that um, both from the father and from the child, I don't know. I think it just leads to a lot of insecurity, and the people we 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 have to run to is who our friends, yeah. who by the way, and this is sort of going to be offensive, but like, are dumb. Because they know just as much about life as I do. Yeah. And so I'm letting some person who has as little experience that I have um, try to define yeah. and show and, and like speak into my life. And
1: Yeah, you oftentimes it's just someone who has like a stronger personality than you. Because yep. you're looking to be led. Like if you take the role of the father out of your life, you're going to try to supplement that leadership unconsciously or, consciously, or unconsciously with something else. And oftentimes it's probably just the friend who's more charismatic mm-hmm. and more willing to try new things and probably lead you down a lot of paths you shouldn't go down. Um, so I, I think like, it's not so much that you, you get rid of the father, it's that you replace the father with something that's not qualified to be the father.
0: True. Yep. Definitely. No, I think that, that that's, that's accurate because it, it, and then what it does, and I think what he's, what he's hitting on is the implication is, right, that there's no one above me. there might be people beside me sort of evil evil equal not evil some people are probably but equal um with me that I that I care most about but that's number one just not how life works <laughs> that that there is authority structure in place for good for for limitations on certain things and, and for experience but that that again I just I see this like, A kind of like blind leading the blind attitude, right? And and when you begin to look at people, especially with social media, and a lot of it's driven through the appearance of like the appearance of acceptance, the appearance of this, the desire to be welcomed in through, you know, as cheesy as it is through through likes and whatnot, like we're we're constantly wandering, mm. um, which gets back to we had a conversation about rootedness, right? That it's just like we don't have a grounding. I think, like. As a dad, for me, my goal, ultimately, like even just an easy one, is just to be the loudest voice in my kid's head, mm. right? So, my Olivia's four, and I don't know how many times a day, but I will say to her that she's beautiful and she's and she's cute and she's smart and she's intelligent, and she's 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 begun saying I'm a big girl, um, and so I said, well, what does big mean, <laughs> and and then I say it's beautiful, it's intelligent, it's genuine. Um, and just to try to get this into her her soul that like my dad thinks this, um, and before any other person can right because her peers will rip her apart and praise her, mm-hmm. and I want to be a better voice than that. Yeah. And so I think it's it's this is also a warning to us like like as as men who will probably become fathers one day statistically it's good it's high, high high chance. Do we? want to create a space where our children have to run in that wandering have to have to walk through that kind of blindness or can we create empowered and you know um, secure adults that they can do that or right? like I, I don't know it just it sort of breaks my heart to think about how many times I've had the same conversation with so many people especially young men about I just, I just want a dad. I want a dad. I don't know how to say that. I don't express it, but I just want that. And then it just it doesn't... And how much they're missing that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, how, how about you? Have you ever experienced that? Like, I know you are a couple years younger than I am and in the workforce, but just got out of college. Like, is that... Yeah,
1: I, I would say, like, I think a lot of... A lot of people's deepest wounds can be revealed in how their relationship was with their dad. And I think uh, in a lot of ways, we are reactions against our dads, I guess, or we're either reactions or we're just, just like them. I think, uh, I think in my own life, a lot of people would say, uh, my brother is just like my dad. And then like, I'm like a total reaction to my own dad. Um, and I love you, dad, if you're listening to this, but, um, that is, uh, that is definitely a thing that happens. So I think, think that just for, for good or for bad, like, you know, whether you're the inverse of your dad or just like him, like it cannot be, Overstated how much your dad shapes who you end up becoming. Um, I don't know what that's like for for girls, but I think just for for young men that I that I've talked to, like a lot of the insecurities goes back to their relationships with their dad, and, and they can often clearly trace that for themselves. I think, mm. like I think, I think we're all kind of aware of this because we think about it so much.
0: Probably, yeah, yeah. And then we turn to you know that that peer group for what Henry Now I call this, right that, that kind of like acceptance or affirmation right that it that it pains me more to disappoint my friends than my own father yeah and I think I think that's something we should think about yeah <laughs> um right like what if that's in us like why is that in us and how do I prevent that from being in the next generation in my ability, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's definitely, I think that's a big thing when you go to high school and university and you're spending less and less time with your dad. You're, like, for me, I mean, my wilderness years, if you want to call them that, were when I was in university and I was away from my dad and, like, he couldn't see all the ways in which I was probably disappointing him. And, uh, and you know, that, that was definitely a time where I wanted acceptance from, from my peer group more than anything. So I probably did a lot of stuff. I Well, I got to look back now and I regret it. And I certainly maybe wouldn't have even conceived of just being in those situations as a teen when I was around my dad. But it feels like the most natural thing. And even like some of the guilt just isn't there when you don't have that kind of father voice in the back of your head just because you're not around that. That's not really shaping your reality. And yeah, the acceptance from your peers does become that almost moral voice if, you, if you're not close to God at that time, which I would say I was not close to God during the start of my university career. So um, one way or another, some voice in your life is going to kind of be your moral uh, scale, I guess. Mm. Um, and I think that is a role that fathers are meant to play
0: in the formative years. I think the Bible talks a lot about that. Yeah, well, I think again when when you talk about the role of acceptance too, right? At the end of the day, what is it exposing? Right? It's our it's our desire to be loved, mm-hmm. right? To be wanted, and it's you know, you can it, it might sound hyper emotional, whatever, but I think that that is part of that innate humanness that we want to be, um, not rejected. Right? I don't like <laughs> that's part of who we are, yeah. and and some people, right? The way that we protect ourselves from that is a bullish like just overbearing attitude right and um and for some of us it's it's seeking acceptance for some of us it's placating to whatever is going on in my group right now it's desperately not wanting to be rejected and so i just like we talked about shifting my mind on every issue that comes up because it's the popular one or Mm -hmm. you know engaging with certain trends because it's gonna get like like and i think i think that that the the issue becomes that that desire to be just known and and loved and i can i can wrestle with that in the sense of any kind of peer acceptance is kind of superficial in that way yeah 100%. Right? i, I want to be I, I want you to know as much as you'll know so that you will love me 100 yeah like i think
1: i think like uh if you meet someone for the first time you will your natural response is probably to treat them well, because uh, you don't know a lot about them, and you know there's a potential there that they could be a really great person. And it's like, why would I not want to make this the best possible interaction I have? But even even like the deeper you get to know someone, I think they're always kind of just like a character in your head. They are they are not you never fully know someone, but you want you want them you want to know them as well as you can. And you want them to know you as well as you can. And there's almost like an assurance there that the better I know someone and I still like them, that's a bond that's not going to break. Because I think, I think a lot of times, uh, you know, if there's just bad parts of us or parts of us that we don't like, that we feel self-conscious about, it's like, if someone knew this about me, like Mm -hmm. they would leave me, like I would be, I'd be left alone. And that's like a, that's a deep feeling of insecurity that we have sometimes that, um, that like. We're not good enough, and and we could be abandoned if we were found out. Uh, I think some people call that like imposter syndrome. Um, I think think a lot of people feel like I feel that quite a bit. I think I now that I'm kind of aware of it, I feel it less. And uh, certainly, um, you know, if you're if you're only seeking love from other people, that you're
0: you're going to be disappointed. I think. Well, and especially now in a world where. Like it's so easy to be rejected, mm-hmm. and massively rejected, right? Like back back even a couple of years ago before you had social media, right? Like if someone disin- did disagree with you, didn't like you, what they don't call you on your landline, great. They maybe make fun of you at school a little bit. You can probably deal with it, right? Well, now it's like it can go out immediately. Like I like for some of the the like the stories I heard about in when I was in high school before you know Facebook was a really big thing, and. If some of those, you know, those people had access to what we have access to now, they would have ruined people's life, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. like, we can't. And that's and that's the thing is that's why, like, I think this whole peer acceptance thing is actually a very powerful tool, right? Of, of, of idea propagation, of censorship in a sense. Not to get into that whole realm, but the idea of like when we care so much about what general peer groups think. We will, for good and for bad, um, often like censor our being. Not just what we say, not just the ideas we share, but just who we are. And I think, again, sometimes that's good. There's some kind of moral framework in there. Sometimes it's bad because of the fear of, well, if they see this part of me um, that's broken, that's wounded, that's weak... Um, will they want that or not? And we so as we begin creating the, the, these masks and we create these facades. And and I think that it's been militarized now, I would argue, kind of culturally with ideas and thoughts that if you believe the wrong thing, think the wrong thing, well, then we're just going to... Like the goal is, let's just shame you. Yeah.
1: Right? We're also obsessed too with just like the idea of our personal brand too and, and how we're known
0: <laughs> and perceived. Like we, yeah. are, we are obsessed with crafting an image. Like we have lifestyle blogs about how people choose to live their life. Yeah. Which again is helpful at some level. I get it. But like to think that I am the brand, I don't know, man. That's exhausting.
1: Having to be a brand all the time. Like, (laughs) I don't know.
0: My brand is half the times I'm in sweatpants. The, The other half the time, I don't know. I'm cooking. My brand is, I don't know. I wear black all the time and, I don't know. That's that's my got a beard going on right now, so my brand is bearded. Um, no, but you're right, right? Because then, what what is like? I heard one one guy talk about how we live in the age of the avatar, right? That we um, are kind of my avatar um, more referencing like uh, social media and, and gaming, right? That we can create these characters all the time, whoever we want to be, yeah. and that it, and that inevitably reverses back into life. That we could just create characters as we want. Which creates kind of disintegration with our actual self. Yeah, um,
1: even our social media profiles, like well, those are characters. That well, we're and that's what he that.
0: sort of got into with 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 because even all across the board, you can have kind of, in a sense, a different personality on Facebook, a different personality on Instagram, on <laughs> Snapchat, right? On Twitter, that's so true about me. Right, because
1: people people who meet me in real life that have read my Twitter feed are like, you're like totally a different person on twitter <laughs> right
0: and 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 and, it's, and we say that language and we don't think about it but that actually is important language like you're a different person you act differently you embody different things um in in one i think sense people might say that we are disintegrated in that in, in that way that we can be so many different people depending on the sphere and and there's benefit to that like being able to kind of read a room and know where you're at and i think there's maturity in the sense of knowing which parts of you to, to bring out but the idea that we are so kind of, as a generation, right? We are so disconnected from our actual self yeah. because we never have to be that. And when we are that with ourself alone, it's scary, it's broken, it's a mess, it's confusing. And again, to connect kind of it back to what we started with, and without, I would argue, the security of parents, right? But in this case, we specifically talking about fathers who, who are supposed to raise that and oh, yeah. supposed to have that and supposed to provide that security of, I'm your dad. I'm with you to the day that I die mm-hmm. and I'm committed to your flourishing. I yeah. want the best for you. I, like I can see that you're weak and I'm weak too. So let's like, let me lead you to strength that I know. And for us, it's in Jesus um, that really would have had to break this down. Because I would say in my life, one of the biggest struggles has been um, what Christians would often call the fear of man, right? Basically deep insecurity that you have to figure out. right? And, and I had to get to the point where I was convinced in my soul that God wanted to father me. Not that he was my father, I believe that, but that he wanted to father me. That he saw me as worthy of his time. Um, that he saw me as worthy of his investment, of, of, of that thing. And changing the language in my head, into my soul... Of like, I actually pray this prayer sometimes. Like, God, I remember that you want to father me, that I'm kept in that, mm-hmm. that, that that I have. I don't need to go searching for that. Yeah. Like, I have that already, which is, by the way, what a father's meant to do: pr- bring you up in a way that leads you to recognize your true and good father, who is yeah. always who's perfect, right? Who will not let you down. um And I think when we not to get hyper, like. Meta narrative of history on here, but like when we look through back and we begin to take away the value of dad through different cultural you know movements and phenomenons and whatnot, or you end up with a void there, right? And I do think, arguably, but I that a kind of rebellion and figuring yourself out and any issues in the teen years and blah. I think that's important, and I had to go through it. I thought I was the man at seventeen, and no one could tell me anything, and. Boy, was I dumb. Um, I can admit that now. Mom, I'm sorry. Ten years later, I can apologize. Uh, but, but to come full circle to this place of all of that angst and rebellion and look at me, I'm the man now, um, I think is meant to be wrestled with in the context of a safe dad, of, of, a, of a, a fallback, of yeah. like, son, I know what you're doing. I can walk I, I can walk with you through yeah. this if you're gonna if you're gonna hit emotionally right I can take a punch right if, if you're if you're gonna come at me like I, I can do I remember that and I think um, you know there's so many different reasons we could get to about the role of the dad in that sense but um, when, when we lose a little bit of that yeah. or because like dads are humans and broken we don't really know how to recover some of that. It does lead us to a place where that insecurity lives deep. Yeah. Right? Yeah,
1: that's, that's interesting because I, I do think, like, this is making me think back just to, just to all my teenage years and, and, you know, the difficult years of, of probably being a father to me and, and my siblings. And it's like, you know, I, my parents did tell me that, that, you know, no matter what, you know, I'll love you and I'm, I'm your father and, or I'm your mother and, uh, and that, I think that did go a long way in making me feel secure because I, there's just so much, it's like, how did my parents put up with that? And it's like, how did you have the patience t- to, to deal kids, with man, this? Personally. Yeah. And it's like, but I'm just so thankful for that. Yeah. And I think, yeah, having this talk and, and really, and reading this and just, you know, understanding that role of the father like that, hopefully I'll just carry that with me forever. Cause that is a big responsibility. You have such a huge role to play in making your kids feel secure and making them understand their identity and and making Mm -hmm. them understand that they're loved and that they, they have that safety net, that, that fallback, like you said, like that's, um, I don't know. uh, So much woundedness, I think probably could be avoided if if all parents just understood, you know, the consequences of
0: what's hard. Like parenting is like, I know not everyone is a parent that's going to be listening, but like it is, so intentional yeah and when you forget that you get you end up doing unintentional things that have big consequences right and so what i had to do is for all the good and the bad of my father and dad love you you know appreciate you um one of the big things i had to do is when i began thinking about being a father was not comparing myself to my father Mm. um it was i'm not gonna run away from you know, the negative things, uh, of the way that he didn't, you know, in my mind help me, right? But run to the model of Jesus. Like, 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 I find so many guys when I talk to them are like, I just don't want to be like this part of my dad. I want this part and I don't want, like, and that's fine. I think you should know that. But what, but what I begin realizing with a lot of people is they would always be able to tell me ultimately what they didn't want to do. Mm. Not the aim of their fatherhood. Yeah. And so I've been given the shifting where it's like I like I don't really talk about um, in my own heart, my own life, like the, the ways in which I want to improve upon my father, but the ways in which I want to just be like Jesus to my kids yeah. and carry that. And it is a little idealistic. I understand yeah. that. Right. But I think that – but I, I'm someone who is okay with ideals. Why, yeah, well, right? why,
1: why would you not aim for the highest possible? Right.
0: And Because I, I don't want to just be running away from something towards nothing. Yeah. Like, I really want to run to a, a end goal of being a Jesus kind of father. Um, and so, to right, write for, so for anyone, right, for all the failings of their father, because every dad failed, like, again, I think it's not like, <laughs> anyways, every dad failed, every dad succeeded in some ways, I think, you know, and we need to appreciate those things. Uh, because, like, So tell us about how good or bad your dad was. Emily? No, you continue. Tell us, how good or bad was your father? You have a good father or her experience? Yeah. Um, I don't remember what I was saying. Every dad failed. And so we have to just recognize that that's gonna be part of our story and to not beat up our dads for it. Like mm. the older I get, the more sympathy I have because I recognize that humans are complex yeah. and broken. Um, and and the 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 kid that just wanted this perfect father was obviously wanting too much yeah but i have that in jesus and again i understand that sounds so like religious and um you know it's a crutch it's not a crutch for me though like it's not that it's it's truly recognizing the deep hunger that god can fill and i'm okay with that kind of perspective on it like call it whatever you wanted, but living in that space of, you know, I have a dad who is perfect. Yeah. Right. He is that. Yeah. Hearing you say that is kind of,
1: it's helpful to me. Like I think even just like kind of reconciling, you know, everything, my relationship with my dad, maybe. Cause I, I think I would say I have a good relationship with my dad, but I know there was a time when I was, uh, when I was in my late teens that I kind of basically just took out, all my, all my pent up frustration that I ever, everything I had over the years kind of on him, I just let it all out, let him know everything that I thought he failed at growing up. Mm-hmm. And like looking back on that, it's like, I, I kind of think it needed to happen maybe at the time, but it was also kind of unfair to him a bit, I think. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope, I, I hope my children never do that to me because I know that I'm going to fail in every single, well, I'm going to fail as much as my dad did, I'm sure, but I think just being able to to maybe heal from any of that is just knowing. Like I think my dad did try to aim for, for to be a father like Jesus. Like mm-hmm. I think that was his aim, and we're we're human and we're all gonna fail at that. But as as long as his his heart was there, like I I do I do believe that. So that is like a comfort to me. I think at this stage.
0: Yeah. No. I again. I, I 100% agree. I think the goal for us dads is to do our best. I sort of joke about it with them. This is going to sound so bad, but it's like, we're going to mess up our kids somehow. Yeah. So it's, do it the least amount possible. That's the right. Yes. right produce the most flourishing. Uh, but, and I think it's because it's such a central thing. And I don't think we talk about it enough, especially as men, because, you know, the whole stereotype of, you know, macho man can't cry and be emotional, all that crap, which is just dumb. You know, especially if you know Jesus, who, who wept, who felt it, who, who was angry, who was joyful, he expressed emotion in so many different ways. Like if that's our model, like that's what we need to get to. But we just don't talk about it, I think, because it actually is so deep in us that like we don't recognize always, because I don't know if we want to recognize, or even, I, again, just have sort of thought about it deeply enough, that like we are affected too much by this. And when I mean too much, I mean we we allow it to be a continual source of weakness. Without the work of remedying it, hmm. right? Like like I I like saying this to a lot of young guys that there is there's a difference between reasons and excuse. Yeah. Right. That we can have reasons for my behavior, reasons for my present weakness, reasons for the way that I think about this, or, but I only let them become excuses. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. And so I think there's some. This came to me like I. Like, people say I'm like my dad a lot. I look like I'm the most one who looks like my dad, and so and him and I had a very interesting relationship. I think it's good. It's better now, but uh, there are there are definitely some things in my life that I exist in the pattern of my father, where I think maybe um, I was suspecting something different from him, and I've had to not allow those things to be excuses for those things to continue, mm-hmm. right? Like. You know, and, and so, you know, I, and a lot of it's because I think growing up, I was always told, you're just like your dad. You're just like your dad. You look like your dad. You're going to be like your dad. And it was hard for me. And I think this is maybe true for a lot of people who get that a lot, that to differentiate between what are the good things and, and maybe the not so good things, the redemptive things that need to be brought brought up. And so I just tried to reject everything. I was like, no, I just don't want anything like that. Um, but that, but I that, also was dumb. But for, for, for all, all the stuff that maybe was more of a negative similarity, um, I have to not allow those things to continue in me. Like, if, if I saw them as negative, and maybe they were, they weren't, fine, we can argue about that, but, like, the things that I felt hurt me or whatever, um, like, I, I can't let that drive... I need I need to do all the work, both in you know, disciplines of the faith, counseling, if you need it, whatever you need to make sure that I'm not allowing those wounds to go unhealed Mm -hmm. um because then it gets to the point where it's kind of on you now it was on your dad but you're a grown man you're a grown adult girls included right and 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 you have to do some some soul work you have to let jesus heal those you have to do the hard work of thinking deeply and forgiving and going through that and and that's on you that's not on them it's on him right he may have wounded you back then but you are allowing the wound to be kept open now um by not healing, yeah. by not forgiving, by not going into that. And and so I think that's where we need to sort of really move to as, as we grow up is recognizing there were so many good things about my dad. There were so many places where he was sinful and human. And there's so many places where I need to heal because of that. And I cannot not heal because my kids need me not to heal. Or you know what I mean? My kids need me not to not heal. So they need me to heal. Double negatives, guys. Grammar. Um, like we have to get to that place, and I just, I just see too many young men, especially, but also see a lot of young women, expressed very differently than young men. Not as much as in anger and wandering, as much as in relationships and as ironic as it is, kind of stereotypical ways. Um, that we have to wrestle with this. Like, why do I feel these things as deeply as I do? And you know, for me, a lot of the insecurity and a lot of the stuff was tied to that, that father thing. And um, recognizing this journey of, wow, um, I have a father. He wants to father me. He's given me the spirit. Like, I have all that I need. And, 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 that, and that is a big shift. Because I think that doesn't get everything dealt with. Because I'm still human and still whatever, but it has brought me to a place of a lot deeper security, a lot deeper recognition, and ability to speak into it, and to be honest, even a better relationship with my dad. This part I actually haven't talked to really him about as much, just because it's kind of more of a recent development in my heart, just recognizing some of this stuff, uh, but wanting to, you know, call more often and, you know, and having those those relational moments on a deeper level. Um, recognizing that with my son, Weston, like I I pray and I hope that I'm the first guy he calls about something good or bad. Yeah. Right. And like, I think that kid changes you in in that sense. But, and so, yeah, like, I think it's just, we have to get to the place where we choose healing on this one. Um, and, And again, just as simple as it is, like, it's so dumb of us to like base so much of who we are, even superficially, on people who are at the same stage of life as us like what do they know yeah as little as I do <laughs> right like I I want to learn from people who are older and wiser and have gone and have failed and have succeeded and have victories and have overcome and have like I we need that yeah right and yeah and yeah. I think
1: like looking so if you're gonna supplement you know the father figure with something else other than the father look for it in, in smarter ways too so like Mentors who are older than you who have gone before you. I think that's so valuable, and I think like that is something we do continually do. We look for mentorship, and we almost have a sort of a father son relationship in a lot of those cases, or or mother daughter. I'm sure, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that is kind of how it has to be. Yeah, your peers, the people that are going through the same stage of life as you, I think at a certain point, it's it gets a bit healthier. But certainly when you're coming up, and when you're um, like I was in university or in high school, that is not always the healthiest thing, and you have to, uh, you have to have a, the palate cleanser of the father figure. Mm-hmm. I think, <laughs> to to use that language again.
0: Yeah, no, and again, it's not like I hope I'm, I haven't communicated that friends are bad in any way because I love friends and can't do life alone. We talk about that a lot. We need community, but I think there's just like that that deeper level of we need people older than us. Yeah, we need to recognize. And yes, yeah, I know in, uh, in the book, getting back to that, he talks about bosses and the workforce. And sure, the way workforces are working are changing. And some would argue for the better, some for the worse. I'm not going to get into that conversation. I think life is changing. Nine to five doesn't really exist. You know, authority structures are a little different. Collaboration probably breeds more innovation, I would argue. So I think there's some good things that are coming out of that. But on the emotional level, like, yeah, I just... The one thing I, though, I think we need to drill down, just to... Re- call out is that most people don't want mentors they say that Mm. what they want is fathers and I say that sort of very strongly because I've just seen that like the reason why I got so disappointed when I was young in mentorship was because I called it mentorship but I demanded fathering like I I want this person who I pursued or whatever to mentor me in pastoring or mentor me or whatever to give me their life to be available for me to take me out for coffee and call me up and like be a dad. That's not what a mentor is, right? Uh, like a disciple, or we maybe the Christian we use the label of disciple, or basically the same thing, right? Teach me how to walk better in this life, which are is good in in specific instances where right? I need a mentor. So you said you have a mentor at work who does what teaches you how to do your job better. Yeah. Right? It's a very specific thing. Right. We we you actually have a mentor from, from 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 the past in Henry Nouwen right now. As you read him, he's influencing you and teaching you, right? So mentorship is, is that kind of like life help thing. But I, I and I think that's been the biggest issue is we've we we have mixed our definitions of mentorship from helping me complete something, helping me understand something, growing me kinda of, kinda of that teacher apprentice thing to, um, what I want out of you is your time, your energy, your love, your affection. Your, and I'm like, that's going to get you disappointed because <laughs> those guys aren't your dad. Nope. Right. And they probably don't have time to be, let's be real. Cause they probably have their own kids and their own concerns. And, and that's what happened to me is I never labeled it that way, but I get so disappointed as like, as I was growing up, because there's, I kept asking, I was like, can you do this? And, and we go for coffee one time, they weren't here for them. I'm like, why aren't you calling me, bro? And it's like, Because that's not like that's, I had an expectation of so much deeper relationship that maybe over time mentors can become and I like spiritual fathers we talk about in the church and, um, you know, stuff. And of course, but like, expecting every mentorship opportunity to kind of resemble that was something that I know I got tripped up on. Um, And it hurt me a lot. I got disappointed a lot. And it was no one's fault but mine, Yeah. right? And and so again, I just ha- I've just had that conversation so many times that I think we just need to recognize that as like one of those final things. It's just like get mentors, get older people, get community, but recognize the difference of what you're asking for because it's going to set you up for so much more success, a better experience, avoid some of the pain I went through. I've always feeling rejected. I've always feeling worthless. I've always feeling not enough, um. When I could have learned so much, yeah. you know what I mean. And and so, again, I just like it. Just gets to this point of we have a father, who's perfect, um, and just the simplicity of that, yeah, can help I think solve a lot of our issues. Again, over time in progress, we talk about that at church a lot. That who we're becoming and in progress, and God's working on us and empowering us but just like sitting in that i have a father he wants to father me i don't need the fathering right now um i want it because we still need human the human interaction um, but i have to recognize where those needs are met truly and fully and completely and then i can be a better mentor as well i can be a better father
1: This has been The Cast with Sam and Mike. Thanks so much for tuning in, and uh, we hope that you'll connect with us and
0: engage with us at risencitychurch.com slash cast. And hey, if you want to come and hang out with us live, we'd love to have you at church, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at Cameron Heights, uh, Collegiate Institute in Kitchener. we love to get to know you, hear from you, and have a conversation. So come hang out with us.